1 Timothy chapter 6. We're preaching our theme. I mean, if we're going to think about this all year long, we need to know what it means. So let's continue studying what God will say. Here's the theme that we're dealing with, verse number 12, right? Say it with me. Ah, oh, come on, say that theme again. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But it could be a little bit better. Say it like you're a fighter. Huh? You hear all those voices? Them all them fighters in the, in the crowd. Some of them were female voices. <laughs> Trust me, I know those females. You don't want to mess with them. The most lethal dynamic force on planet Earth is a black woman. Don't cross her. She'll kill you dead. So how do you know that so well? I was raised by one. I'm married to another. And in their own way, in their mercy, no mercy shown to me. So, so say it like you, like you fighters. Ready? Say it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. See, the reason why some of us are losing is because we fight in a good fight when it comes to the work of God. And we fight in a good fight when it comes to everything else. Get as passionate about Jesus as you are about politics. Sports. Pastor, are you passionate about sports? Yes. He and I, he, him, that man right there. We are, we are friends right now. But in about nine hours, we are not going to be friends. One of us is going to bed happy tonight. And one of us is going to bed mad. Matter of fact, he and I have already told our wives, if we lose, we are planning, scheduling, setting an appointment to be in a bad mood. <laughs> we text, when he wins, I text. When I win, he texts. If we lose tonight, don't text me. You know why? He's passionate about the 49ers. I'm passionate about Dallas Cowboys. Somebody here, you get passionate about Jesus. Come on, say it with me one more time. Let's have a competition. I got to hurry up. This side, all y'all up there, y'all up on this side, all right? All you up there, you're on this side. This side first, see? All right, Brother Ricky, stand right in the middle, in the middle. Let's see which one's louder, all right? Here's first. Ready? Go. I even got a little fifth few extras over there of faith. So like, they visit us. They all right. Because the words they did say are in the Bible. They ain't make them up. So it's all good. Ready? Right. Listen, let, let, let me tell you who won. Let me tell you. One more time. We're going to give him a chance. You don't want to give him a chance? You scared? Let's let them start first. Come on, y'all got to get to me. 
I think they got more. The Pearsons on their team, it's not fair. <laughs> and the Pierres. It's like 99 people up in the balcony on the right side. <laughs> How are you supposed to win? All them fighters up there. You got 12, 13 people in your family. How are you supposed to lose? All right, come on. Defy the odds. David can be Goliath. Ready? One, two, three. Who said you can't have fun in church? Ready? Here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Is it a tie? I think they, I think PP up there, Pierce and Pierre, done pushed everybody over the limit again. Hey, listen, let's all do it together so we can win together. Say it now. <laughs> See, up in here, we give you a roll even when you visit us. You keep doing it, so we might as well do it on, t- on purpose. Fight the good fight of faith. That's what we're doing. Now, how do we do that? Purposefully flee certain vices. You ain't going to fight the good fight of faith if you are infatuated with money. That was a good grunt right there. You can't love man, God and mammon. So you got to flee. Listen, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to fall in love with money. You have to intentionally avoid that vice. Otherwise, you'd be all hooked up and didn't try. Last week, you purposely flee certain vices. You must properly or practically follow Christian virtues. Last week, we discussed three of them. First virtue was what? Righteousness, verse number 11. Second one? Third one? Now, let's see if we can discuss some more with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Practically, what did you follow? Practically, what did you follow this week? We are good at philosophically following things. In theory, we are pursuing things. I am a believer. I am a Christian. I am a child of God. So you must know I am pursuing these things because that's what Christians do. No, 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 no. Christians don't do stuff just because they have a name, Christian. Christians do stuff because they decide to do them in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, you ain't chasing nothing unless you're doing it on purpose. All the work that needed to be done to be, to, to be saved, Jesus did. Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised again according to the scriptures. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross. He said, it is finished. He say, I am finished. He ain't going to ever be finished. I'm the alpha, the mega, the beginning, and the end. I am, I was, I always will be. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. All the work needed to be done to save mankind has been done. Nobody goes to hell because their sins are not paid for. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins of the whole world. You don't go to hell because your sins aren't paid for. You go to hell because you do not by faith accept the payment. 
See, the payment has been made. But see, ladies and gentlemen, even though the payment has been made, until you appropriate faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, saying, I believe he died, he was buried, he rose again. I turn from my sin in my mind, repent of my sins. I accept Christ as my Savior. I come, I ask him to come into my heart. He forgives me of my sins. At that moment, that payment that has been made gets personally applied to your account. And when God looks at your sin debt, he says, it is cleared because what Jesus paid on the cross has now been applied applied to your account because of faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Aren't you glad that the Bible explains this? But Paul says in Philippians, since Jesus did the work to save you, you should work out your own salvation. So there should be a work that's coming out of you that you're saved because of the work he put into you. <laughs> and how is that work done? Philippians 2. It is God which worketh in you both to do in his will and to do of his good pleasure. Work out, cater gazoma, means to achieve the fullest potential. Work out your own salvation, Philippians 2, 12, I believe. 13 says, it is God that worketh. Work out, worketh. Work, work, two different words, two different Greek words. Work out, cater gazoma, achieve to your fullest capacity. Worketh, energio, it's where we get the word energy, power, might, strength. You do everything you can to be the best Christian you can be, but the energy and the power to get it done comes from God. So while you are working it out, he is working it in. So that eliminates, that eliminates any attempt to excuse ourselves from being a good Christian because we're all burnt out. Because if you're burnt out, it means you're working off your power. If you never get burnt out, it's because you're working off of God's power. And hallelujah, he never burns out. Now, so with using that power, you say, Pastor, I thought we were in Timothy. Yeah, but Timothy is receiving this letter from Paul. Paul wrote to the church of Philippi about what we're doing as a Christian because we're saved. You don't work to be saved. You work because you're saved. You don't work to get saved. You work because you got saved. Jesus did the work to save me, and now that he did the work to save me, he put something in me that makes me work for him because he did that work for me. Somebody help me preach. So, so what do I properly follow? <clears throat> Righteousness, right conduct. And you do right. You should do right this week. Well, I, I wanted to do right, but I didn't do right. Maybe you weren't following righteousness. You ever had somebody behind you who wasn't a good follower? Calling you up. Where are you at? You need to keep up. Some people don't need to be behind because they don't keep up. Huh? The person behind you needs to be watching. When you put your blinker on, you're in front, but you put your blinker on so they behind you will scoot over first and secure the lane. But yet they tell me, you ain't get over yet. You don't know how to follow. You know what the problem is? We got the right leader, but we don't, know how, we don't have people that know how to follow. Jesus got the blinker on. Get over. Jesus going through the light. Go through the light. Jesus sped up. Speed up. Jesus slowed down. Slow down. Follow after righteousness. I don't know why I'm not a better Christian. You're not following well. Righteousness, right conduct. Godliness, reverential consciousness, ever aware of the presence of God. Faith, resolute conviction. 
We talked about that, what I believe, what I believe. I know whom I have believed. I know what I believe. Faith, steadfast, unmovable. Resolute conviction, but remarkable consistency. Conviction is what I believe. Consistency is how I behave. I behave right because I believe right. Consistency is the miracle that only God can produce through a believer where he is sustaining biblical principles and behavior on a regular basis. And Daniel, as he did aforetime. But wait a minute, Daniel made a law against praying. That don't have nothing to do with I do. I didn't pray because it was legal. I'm not going to stop praying because it's illegal. I pray because God said pray so they can threaten me with the lions then, but I ain't praying for them. I'm praying for him. Paul, as his manner was, went to the synagogue. Scripture says, follow Paul in the book of Acts. Every city he went in, went to the synagogue, went to the synagogue, went to the synagogue, went to the synagogue, went to the synagogue. Got to Acts chapter 16, I believe he said, went to the river. Why did he go to the river? Because there was no synagogue there. And Jews met at the river when there wasn't a synagogue. You could follow Paul in every city and know when he got there, he was going to the synagogue because his manner, his consistency as a Jew was to get in town and find other Jews that he could tell about Jesus. Now, if we followed you all week long, how many patterns do you have of consistency? I got in his car. He's going to pray before he drives. If I saw him get up in the morning, he's going to read his Bible. Preach, Pastor. Some of us don't have any biblical patterns. We got patterns. We all got patterns. Some of us just don't have biblical ones. Consistency. What are you doing in the Christian life that you, that you do well? Nobody's perfect. Ooh, I saw you mess up. Have you seen you mess up? Look in the mirror. But it ought to be that there's a demonstration of consistency in our lives because we are following it. This is practical followership. It means I've got, to, I've got to personally, intentionally implement areas in my life that I'm doing on purpose because I know that they are virtues that I need to follow. And I can't be a good Christian if I'm a hit and miss Christian. I read here, I don't read here, I read here, I don't read here. I try one week, I do, I'm happy one week, I'm sad next week, I'm shouting one week, I'm depressed the next week. Listen to me, you've got to lock in to biblical principles that transcend circumstantial changes. And if you think your Christianity is based on your circumstances, you need to turn, turn it back in and find out what you got. Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul wrote to Philippians from jail. He had gone through all kinds of difficulties, but he was not going to let his circumstances determine his Christianity. Here's the next one I want you to get. We did three of those virtues. We did faith in two segments, if you would. The next one is love. I said to someone yesterday, most people don't change. Look at me. Most people don't change. We become bigger, smaller, wider, darker, more pronounced, more emphatic, older, more wrinkled, skinnier, louder, more quiet versions of what we've always been for the most part. Unless, unless you decide with the help of the Holy Ghost of God, I'm going to change. Now, somebody in the building has already decided until the trumpet sounds, you are not a loving person because you're not wired that way. I'm here to tell you on the authority of the word of God, you follow love, you can become loving. I'm talking about real compassion. Sympathy is feeling sorry for someone because of the predicament he's in. 
Compassion is sympathetic consciousness of one's predicament together with a commitment to do something to alleviate it. You drive past somebody's home and say, I feel sorry for you. Compassion says, I'm going to do something about it. Who's following after love? Here's a good place to practice this principle with somebody that ain't very lovable. I'm going to follow after love. How do we define love? Greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down action. For God so loved the world that he gave action. Huh? These are all, here in his love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He's not the propitiation for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. After every time you see love, you see action. Here's why the world don't understand love. The world thinks love is a feeling. That's why a man can say, I do on this platform, walk off this same platform, and three years later say, I don't. Preach, pastor. And justify it because I don't love you anymore. You don't love me anymore because you're not acting right. Because love is action. Prove it, Pastor Matthew 5, 44. Love your enemies. Tell me how that's a feeling. Define it, Jesus. Love your enemies. Define it, action. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Action, 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 action. You don't have to get a little tickly feeling in your soul when your enemy's name comes up. But you don't have to have a tickly feeling. But you love them not because it feels tickly feeling-ish. You love them because you decide, I'm going to get down on my knees and pray for you. Even though you act like the devil, smell like the devil, look like the devil, and are related to the devil. I'm praying for you. I'm going to send you a card. I'm going to send you a text. Even though you had nothing to say to me. I'm going to call your name to Jesus. It's going to say something different than just kill him, Lord, kill him. In the name of Jesus, kill him. Following after love? Are you 22 days into January of 2023 any more loving than you were last year? My wife is hard to love. My husband is hard to love. My kids are hard to love. My enemies are impossible to love. Of course, in the flesh. But in the spirit, you can follow after. You have to practice. This is why I said practically follow Christian virtues. In other words, put something into practice that demonstrates, demonstrates your pursuit. Pick up a card. Send a text. Make a phone call. Do something. I ain't giving them nothing. They ain't giving me nothing. I ain't sending them a gift, they ain't giving me a gift. I ain't calling them, they ain't calling me. What makes you any better? Practically follow love. We could spend all day on that, but we're not going to. I have to catch a plane. I would love to stay with you. But I'm not going to practice that in this instance. But you can pursue love. Come on, folks, we got to work on it this week. We, we're not talking about personality. Some people are more, not every, listen, everybody in here can't hug for 27 seconds like Dieta, okay? <laughs> but that doesn't mean you have to love less, okay? We're not talking about personal. We justify our carnality based on our personality, 
I'm just not emotional. I don't use feely words. I don't write little mushy cards. I'm never going to, I don't want my wife sending me a card with lipstick, kiss marks all over it. It makes me feel weird. Now, have anything to do with you giving. You can give without loving. You can't love without giving. Follow after. Follow after love. Next one. You got to find out where you are in the Bible. Patience. Everybody say, oh boy. I am not a patient person, Pastor. I'm just not patient. I don't have it. And I think that God understands if I don't exhibit it as long as I warn people first. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you better be here because I am not patient. And if you're not, no, no, you're not a good Christian because you warn people that you're unchristian before you act like that. One poet said, patience is a virtue. Catch it if you can. Seldom found in a woman, never found in a man. Honey, wait at the light. Why should I wait at the light when I can go through three parking lots, around the back corner, over five speed bumps, nearly hit a, an old woman walking across the street and get back to the same spot and still watch the people that were at the red light going green before me. But at least I didn't have to sit still. We lack patience, don't we? So what is patience? Patience is resilient character. It's the finest staying power. We think patience only means waiting. Patience connotates enduring. So, so if you think when I say you need more patience, that means you got to be able to stay at lights longer. You got to be able to Wait a little bit longer for the bus. You can't get mad when the metro is taking too long. That's not only what patience. Patience is staying. Patience means I've got to decide to keep being a good Christian even when things are hard. Endurance. Hmm. Any of y'all in here runners? Runners, you runners, you run, track. Don't be embarrassed. Put your hand up. I run, you run, track. Okay, runners. AJ, you run. You just give me the impression that you're a long-distance runner. Sometimes. Long time ago. Here's the difference between a long-distance runner and a sprinter. Anybody here run marathons? See, see, your hands up. Cecily? Yeah, that figures. And no wonder you're a colonel. Bernard runs, he texts me before he runs. He runs these long marathons. Sister Dorothy, you had your hand up. Other people had, anybody missed nobody? Yes, in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? See, Brother Dunn pointed to his wife. You know I know better than that. And she ain't even trying to fake it. Shut up, Bert. <laughs> she ain't running. She ain't running. She ain't run no marathon. All right. Somebody else over here had the hand up. Beverly's. I have to go around because somebody will go home. I had my hand up. He never recognized me. So I'm looking around. and miss anybody. <laughs> okay. I know how y'all are. <laughs> okay. Just smiling. <laughs> See if I raise my hand again. That's what women do. They talk through their teeth. <laughs> you ever notice people start off fast when the race goes? And a little bit later, they collapse on the side. They take off like in the front. And in a, in a long race, nobody cares who starts off real fast. 
because time will tell. Can I ask you a question? Did you start off last year sprinting? I don't want to hear about it. Tell me how you finished it. How'd you pray when you were broke? How'd you give when it really hurt? How'd you tithe when you had to trust God to pay your bills? How'd you smile when you had a whole bunch to frown about? How faithful when you were you when everybody was unfaithful? You said, I need some strength. No, you need some patience. You need some staying power. You need some stick to that says, I'm in it, and I'm going to drive in it, even though it's hard. One more, and I'm done. Meekness. Right conduct, righteousness, reverential consciousness, godliness, resolute conviction, remarkable consistency, faith, real compassion, love, resilient character, patience, restrained composure, meekness. Here's a quote to put in your notes. Meekness is not weakness. It is power under control. Why do you specify that, Pastor? Because we are guilty sometimes of crediting a quiet, unassuming, shy person as being gifted with meekness and assuming that person with a person with a strong personality who's outgoing, who's not shy, who's direct, has no meekness. Truth of the matter is, this has nothing to do with personality. Some of the strongest people in the world are the meekest people in the world. They're not meek because they're naturally quiet. They're not meek because they're shy and scared of attention. They're meek because in the power of the Holy Spirit, they have the strength to lay the smack down, but the spirituality to restrain themselves. Jesus wasn't a weakling, but he was meek. He came riding on a donkey when most of us, if we were Jesus, would have come riding on a stretch chariot. So you got to practically follow meekness. That means when the opportunity presents itself to show the world how strong you are. You choose because this virtue is what God says you pursue. You choose to withstrain your power, to restrain your power and withhold your power, even though you could have used it. And uh, you have to do that in the midst of self deputized advisors beside you who are pumping you up to show your power. I, 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 I know some of them. They, they, they mean well. And, and, the, and their passion is fueled by love for you. I mean that. They love you. Their defensiveness of you is because they genuinely love you. They're loyal to you. But sometimes loyal people want to demonstrate their loyalty in carnal ways. Okay? Are you listening to me? You can, listen, a lot of people are celebrating the sanctity of life around the world today. I'm for it. 
I'm for every unborn child being born. I'm against abortion. Okay, this is, this is a political church. No, it's a biblical church. My substance was not hid from thee when I was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my members. And in thy book, my members were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah said, I was ordained in the womb to be a prophet. You see, before the doctor can spot you on the sonogram and mom and daddy have picked out your name, you, you may be just stuff, an embryo, a fetus, an unmasked skeletal form. But in God's eyes, the moment you are conceived, you are somebody. So... This is not a political position, it's a biblical one, and our politics should be dictated by our bibliology. But that doesn't mean I should be out blowing up an abortion clinic. So my loyalty to life should not be demonstrated in a sinful way. So you're going to have people around you say, you're going to let them do you like that? Why do you keep putting up with why do you keep being I can't believe you still doing that after how they did you better learn learn how to put your lovingly loyal companions on mute sometime and say you ain't gonna mess me up with God I could I could show them who I am but meekness for the believer is not meant to show people who I am it's meant to show people who God is. Are you chasing it? It's, it's not a very popular word. I, I don't remember the last time I heard a Christian say to me, you know, pastor, pray for me. I've been working on meekness. That's, that's why you don't find very many meek Christians. I hate to bust your bubble, but you're probably improving in areas where you're actually trying. Come on. This week. Let's, let's, let's take some notes. At home or in your private time, you write down when you leave here while you're still thinking about it. Before you don't come on, game don't come on till three. The first one. The first one. Second one. 6.30. Don't text me. I'll be in Pensacola. I have a lot to do this week. Okay. If we win, I'm blowing your phone up. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I love you. Love you. In the spirit of meekness. Let's write down some practical ways how we can work on these things. You have to figure out practically. How can I be meek? How can I be loving? What was the other one we did today? How can I be patient? Practically. What can I do when I leave church? Day? Hey, hey, here's a free practice. Y'all seen that parking lot? It's called everywhere. Some of you got to go somewhere. You're going to get out there in just a moment. Oh, why is she out there talking, knowing good and well that it's a line back here? Follow after patience. <laughs> Practically. Don't just say it in church and write it down. Find ways you can put it into practice. Why? If you're not doing it, there's no way you can fight the good fight. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor? I know that I'm saved. I have Bible reasons to prove it. If you know that, would you raise your hand? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And I know it because I've done what the Bible said in trusting Christ. God bless you all over the building. Pastor, put your hands down. Pastor, I've got to practically follow some of these areas. Would you pray for me? God spoke to me. Come on, love, patience, meekness. How about righteousness, godliness, faith?
God spoke to me, Pastor, hands all over the building, and God bless you for it. Last question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm absolutely positive I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm not sure I want to, I'm not sure if I died today, I'm going to heaven, but I am sure I don't want to go to hell. Anyone else? Anybody else? Is there a hand here? God bless you. Thank you, young lady. God bless you for being honest. Bless you. Put your hand up. I'd like to make sure that one of our leaders will talk to you if you're willing. The service is over in a very, very simple, loving way. One of our ladies can take the Bible and show one of you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. It's it's not complicated, at least not for us. The complicated part, Jesus already did. Thank God he did. Now we want to show you the simple way that you can receive it. Hmm. Let's get to work, Christian. Come on, roll your sleeves up and work. And sanity is very simply doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Come on, let's quit being insane. Let's get to work. You can't spend your whole Christian life saying, I'm not patient. I got a bad temper. I just, this way I, come on, let's work on it. And God is working through you to get it done. How can you lose if you're working with God? As long as you let him take the lead. You got to be a good follower. That means you can't be looking down at stuff and not paying attention because the person in front of you might make a right turn and you missed it. And instead of flying with your family to Florida, you in, you in New York talking about I'm home alone. Huh? Keep your eyes on the leader. You might miss the most important turn you need. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name.